Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Prime Time with Sean Mooney, a network classics, and we have a good one uh, coming up this week. Of course, I always love to do the episodes from Saturday night's main event, which were uh, really, uh, they, they threw everything into these, and, and it was great because it was, uh, you know, over-the-air television. It was on NBC, the network, which... Um, you know, was was just a, a fantastic time for the World Wrestling Federation because, uh, you know, wrestling hadn't been seen on network television since the 50s. And the fact that they pulled this deal together, uh, Vince McMahon, along with Dick Ebersole, who was, uh, you know, the, the guy leading the charge in the network side because that's where he came from. And uh, he was a big wrestling fan, but... Uh, even more of a big fan of uh, bringing network ratings uh, to uh, new heights. And uh, uh, this was a program that would be uh, uh, shown when Saturday Night Live would take a hiatus, as they call it, a little break. And they would do these uh, about five times a year. And this all started uh, in 1985. I believe the first episode aired uh, in May of 1985. Now, uh, we are uh, going to do an episode, as I uh, mentioned uh, from uh, January 4th, 1986. But in fact, this episode was taped on December 19th, 1985, which uh, they would, it wasn't unusual they would, that they would tape these programs, but they would usually air a couple of days later. But uh, I'm imagining um, that because, you know, this is uh, network programming and it was very close to Christmas, they probably had all kinds of Christmas specials and everything scheduled. So they would actually push this airing uh, to the beginning of uh, 1986, January 4th, and of course on that Saturday night, that first Saturday in, in January. So a lot, a uh, lot happening in the uh, the world of wrestling federation uh, because uh, you know they had skyrocketed. Uh, we we're talking uh, this after uh, WrestleMania had taken place back in uh, in March, the end of March of 1985. So we're about oh, uh, you know, it's uh, eight or nine months into this. Uh, fantastic uh, wave of uh, popularity that the WWF is experiencing at the time. Now, this would be, I believe, the fifth episode of Saturday Night's main event. And uh, this is when they are definitely, uh, this this wave is just getting bigger and bigger. And, of course, Hulkamania sweeping the world. And, of course, uh, that would mean that Hulkster would be a big part of this show. But, uh, like I said, they threw a lot into these shows because... Uh, you know, with Saturday night's uh, main event, they wanted it to be a big draw. And this was a big stage. So you weren't going to see superstars doing uh, squash matches in these. No, they would put uh, superstars against superstars. And they would do, you know, these tag team matches and six-man tags. And, of course, uh, that was uh, a part of this. Uh, something else that was interesting, whenever they would do these, they would uh, they loved doing the vignettes. And they would, they would, you know, there would be some kind of theme to them. Uh, whether it was, uh, say, Halloween or whatever it was, you know, whatever was happening, they would, uh, you know, have that theme running throughout the show. Well, this event uh, was uh, taped in uh, Tampa, Florida at the Sun Dome. And so, of course, you've got that uh, Florida uh, taste here to it. You want it to, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the whole thing is kind of fun in the sun. And this is in January, but the weather's, uh, you know, of course, always always nice in Florida. This is a great time of year to be down there. So they take full advantage, and uh, they they have, uh, you know, some uh, contests. You're going to see a uh, super slide contest involving Jimmy Hart, which is part of another 
uh, angle that's going on between him and JYD, the junkyard dog. And, uh, you know, they went to this water park and they filmed a bunch of uh, little segments there. Uh, some of them really bad. <laughs> some of them okay, but uh, they, they, they shot a lot of this. And uh, Jesse the Body Ventura is, uh, you know, be a big star with the WWF at this point. He's featured uh, quite a bit throughout. As a matter of fact, he's involved in the, the uh, first matchup. Now, what they had done, uh, they had, uh, you know, had an angle going well, when they were bringing in uh, Hillbilly Jim, uh, you know, and Uncle Elmer. Remember how that thing all started with him uh, having the family uh, brought in with uh, Cousin Junior and uh, Cousin Luke. And Granny Kim was uh, part of that whole uh, debacle of uh, <laughs> them trying to put over the Hillbillies. And it all started because Hilly, Hillbilly Jim, remember, was hurt. Uh, he was getting a big, gigantic push. Uh, teaming up with Hulk Hogan, and then he uh, severely damaged his knee and was out for a number of months. So to try and keep that all going, uh, they brought in Uncle Elmer, who uh, many knew as uh, Stanley Frazier, uh, who was uh, a giant of a man, like 6'10", I think he weighed 420 pounds, and was kind of this uh, journeyman wrestler. You know, was, uh, went uh, many people... I mean, you look at uh, you know his, his uh, resume, and, and he had... I think about 20 gimmicks. I mean, most guys, you know, would have maybe eight or nine during the course of their career. He had like 20, but it was a lot of it was mostly hillbilly themed, but most knew him or remembered him as Plowboy Frazier, uh, which uh, he appeared uh, most of the time. And then, of course, uh, they don't have uh, uh, Cousin Junior in this, but they've got uh, Cousin Luke, who uh, was uh, Gene Pettit, who was another guy who, uh, you know, was just uh, made a number of appearances in all, an endless number of organizations. But during that run, these guys, these guys all got, uh, you know, some uh, prime time, definitely, uh, with this whole bit going on with Hillbilly Jim. So one of the matches in this features uh, Roddy Piper, Roddy Roddy Piper, uh, as well as Bob Orton and, uh, and Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah, Jesse. Jesse gets into the ring for this one. Uh, doesn't do a whole lot, but uh, the fact that, you know, Jesse... Uh, still, uh, you know, putting on the tights. Doesn't look awful. I mean, he, he obviously was had been staying in shape. Uh, and uh, so we're going to see him in this six-man tag team matchup against Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, and Cousin Luke. And uh, as I said, you know, that's just another one of the... Uh, w- one of these matches where they would try and get as many superstars on the show as possible. Uh, one of the other matches that we would see uh, would feature, of course, as I mentioned, Hulkamania running wild in the world. And uh, the WWF world champion Hulk Hogan uh, has the JYD at, his, uh, at ringside for him as he takes on Terry Funk, who's uh, with Jimmy Hart for this. Now, we, uh, as I uh, said before, they have this slide contest that you're going to see in this with uh, JYD going up against Jimmy Hart. Kind of silly, but uh, anyway... Uh, you know, they, they, they love to go and, and shoot these vignettes, these little segments that uh, would, you know, run throughout the program to kind of piece it together. And the theme here, of course, is Fun in the Sun, which uh, Vince McMahon mentioned several times. Terry Funk is uh, really an interesting individual. Uh, you know, uh, God, what a career that uh, he had. And he, he made all of these appearances in the WWF, WWE where he would come in and be there for a couple of months and then he would disappear and then he would come back and then he would disappear or go somewhere else. Uh, kind of this love-hate relationship with the World Wrestling Federation, World 
uh, wrestling entertainment. And uh, uh, even at one point that he admitted that uh, he didn't like Vince McMahon because he was basically jealous of him and his success. So uh, just kind of an interesting dynamic going on here. But Terry Funk, uh, you know, had a lot of respect in the world of professional wrestling part of the Funk family. And uh, like I said, kind of this love-hate relationship because he would come back several, several times. And uh, he would, uh, of course, be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame along with his brother. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that is, uh, you know, a part of this that's really interesting to me that he's just another one of the these uh, personalities, these uh, wrestling stars that uh, would be able to come in and out of the uh, the WWF, WWE uh, throughout their careers and, and still have this relationship regardless of what would happen. And, uh, you know, Bob Orton is another one that that is uh, in one of these matchups. I just told you that uh, he teams up with, um, you know, uh, the guys in that uh, six-man tag team with Roddy Piper and uh, Jesse. And, you know, he's got, of course, the, the fake cast. And you look at this and you're going, man, can't, can't, couldn't they come up with a, something that looked like a cast? I mean, this just looks like, you know, white cloth wrapped in tape around his forearm. Uh, I, I uh, know there were other times when it was it looked a little better, but but in this one, it, it really doesn't. Uh, so... You're going you're gonna to see that in the six-man tag team match. Uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage is uh, on this program, uh, along with Miss Elizabeth, of course, uh, as he takes on George the Animal Steel with Captain Lou Albano in his corner. And this, if you'll remember, is uh, during a little run they had where uh, the George uh, the Animal Steel is, is fascinated with Elizabeth, has this massive crush on her, and... Uh, always trying to come up and rub against her or whatever. That's kind of weird and creepy, but, uh, you know, to Macho Man's ire. And uh, keeping with the Fun in the Sun theme park thing uh, going in this program, they have uh, this segment where uh, Jesse interviews Randy and Elizabeth is there next to him, and they're up on this big platform. And Jesse's talking about how Randy's going to teach Miss Elizabeth how to swim and she's up, you know, maybe, I don't know, eight, 10 feet. And he's going, he says to Randy, you're going to give her some swim lessons. He said, yeah, then here's her first lesson. And he just shoves her off into the water. And it's clear that she doesn't know how to swim uh, (laughs) and, you know, screaming and uh, just showing that dominance that Randy has over her, as you would see in, in the match. And and this always, this was kind this was odd to me even back then that, male dominance thing and how, I mean, I, I see how they wanted to make Randy a heel and what better way to do that than by showing him, uh, you know, mistreat a woman. But that is just, it never set well with me even then. And, uh, you know, there's no way you could get away with something like that today. You know, there's there's points where you see, you'll see in here where, you know, Randy like raises his hand like he's going to smack her. And, and, you know, if you ever see somebody do that, uh, somewhere you would say well you know didn't hit her here in public but i bet behind closed doors man what's he doing uh you know uh which would make you think that and here they they would show this and she would flinch you know and i i i uh, just was always like i said even back then i was always kind of flabbergasted by why they thought that that was a good way to promote to promote your your superstar Randy Savage, even as, you know, making him a heel, but still it just was to me the, the wrong heat. Uh, 
But uh, who, you know, who am I? Because uh, Randy Savage would become one of the greatest and most popular superstars ever in the history of the WWE. But uh, And it was a different time, I guess. But I look at this and I just can't help but cringe now when you look at uh, the way that uh, he treats Elizabeth and it's part of the act. And it's uh, you know pretty amazing. Uh, this is uh, pretty amazing. So uh, we've got that match included in this one. As I said, Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth as he takes on George the Animal Steel with Lou Albano at ringside. Um, uh, also, uh, there's a what they call, this is bizarre too, a peace match in here with Corporal Kirshner taking on Nikolai Volkov. And uh, the rules uh, to this match are uh, that you can't punch, kick, or do any illegal moves such as choking. You, know, you have to be uh, gentleman's rules, I guess, here. And what's uh, uh, interesting in these notes here, oh, and I do want to credit uh, that uh, 411mania.com for the notes on this program because uh, it certainly provides some great insight. But uh, as I was going to say, uh, in this, uh, this matchup, this peace match, they've got Dean Malenko, who is the referee, it says here. And, uh, you know, as Dean Malenko would become a wrestler, would appear in the WWF. But this is, this is early in, uh, this is in 85 or 86, right? January 4th, 86. And before he uh, really became a wrestler uh, and, and to, with, with some you know, great success, he, would, uh, he did a lot of refereeing. And that included making appearances uh, for the WWF, as he does uh, in the Saturday Night's Main Event. And not only does he do this match, he does another one that uh, he's involved in. So that's kind of an interesting footnote uh, to this program. Uh, one of the other matchups we're going to see features Don Morocco, the magnificent Don Morocco, and Mr. Fuji taking on Ricky Steamboat and the Junkyard Dog. And uh, as I've mentioned before, when we've done some of these other shows talking about Mr. Fuji, uh, we just did an episode, uh, Tuesday Night uh, Titans, where uh, Mr. Fuji is making that transition to becoming a manager because, um, you know, he wrestled uh, up until 85 and uh, kind of did that transition where he would still make some appearances in the ring and, and then also be a manager. And uh, this is one of those instances where he is actually involved in the match as he uh, teams up with uh, Don Morocco. And, of course, you know, Ricky Steamboat, very, very popular uh, back then, and and as uh, well as uh, the JYD was, you know, Junkyard Dog. So that's uh, that's a fun matchup to see. So that's where we are with this one, and uh, a lot happening in it. Um, as uh, we begin, and this isn't really a cold open, uh, but as uh, you know, I've said before that this is the theme with fun in the sun. So they're going to take full advantage of being in Florida and showing off that they're uh, you know all over the place and all over the country. Uh, with these programs, and uh, that's exactly what they're doing here. So, um, if you are not queued up yet, it's real easy. This is the time to do it. Uh, Go to the WWE Network, uh, click on In Ring right there at the top, and then, uh, of course, you're going to go to WWE Classic Series. Uh, Scroll over uh, to the Saturday Night's Main Event icon, click on that, And near the uh, bottom of the page, as you scroll down, uh, you'll find the episode of Saturday Night's Main Event from January 4th, 1986. January 4th, 1986, okay? And uh, we will go from there. But first, I'll take a quick pause so I can give you time to do that. And then, of course, I will count you down. So, ready? Pause. 
And we are back, and you should be all queued up and ready to go. I hope that uh, you got yourself maybe a sandwich, uh, something to uh, imbibe on, maybe something stronger, or maybe just a soda and some chips, and uh, sit back and let's enjoy the ride of this episode of Saturday Night's Main Event from January 4th, 1986. Ready? Three, two, one, play. And as I said, uh, they're taking full advantage to show it off the fact that they are in Florida for this episode. As the sun shines uh, on the WWF, this is the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan, the WWF champion. is putting together one of his special drinks. I always loved the fact that it wasn't just he wouldn't crack an eggs and then he put the whole thing in there. And, <laughs> you can hardly, the audio's uh, bad here. I'm sure there's a reason for that, uh, rights issues or something. They had to put other music in there. But uh, Gene Oakland wearing, I think that's supposed to be his tuxedo swimsuit. <laughs> Gene, feeling the power of the Hulkster as uh, he's, he's checking out those, uh, his own, those pythons, or maybe they're little boas that uh, Gene had. And then we uh, wander over to where Rowdy Roddy Piper is keep, keeping an eye on 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 uh, the the hillbillies in the in the water there and and Roddy says that it's Moby Dick with feet so it's like Jesse Ventura getting a little rub down there as we go into the open here on Saturday night's main event remember this was big time folks this was big time effects that they used for Saturday night's main event freezes you know these highlights that they they cut in uh, but back then, that was this was great stuff. I mean, it was uh, cutting edge. See a shot of Nikolai, and they would put in people that we were going to see that night. There's uh, Ricky Steamboat, Mr. Fuji, Morocco, and of course the Hulkster. The franchise gets the last shot as they are at the uh, the Sun Dome in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Vince Solo here, because remember we got a match coming up involving Jesse the Body Ventura. And he's going to step in. And this uh, is live to tape. So the Vince is actually in the arena with his uh, doing the solo lineup here, introducing everything for the show. And you could always tell that it was an in arena, in arena, uh, uh, you know, stand up that we're doing for these is, uh, you know, they you could hear the echo in the arena. And also the crowd would react to what they were saying as, uh, Vince goes through the card here for the show. And these are just uh, the matches I was telling you about. Junkyard Dog, Steamboat taking on Morocco and Mr. Fuji. That's a long intro as he gets into here. And if, uh, Jesse's going to step in in a second. Uh, George the Animal Seal. This was such a weird angle of uh, George's creepy fascination with uh, Miss Elizabeth. But uh, this is before he really came into his own. And then uh, the heavyweight championship, Terry Funk, they call him the the leading contender. And see, there's Jesse coming in. Looks good, right? And, uh, you know, this is where Jesse was really uh, at the top of his game as far as doing uh, commentary. And uh, I loved I loved the dynamic between these two because you got Vince putting up with him. Right, and you could say there's some disdain that he has. 
And he, you know, I love just when he says, McMahon. So he says, you know, he's, uh, he backs up his words with, uh, you know, physical force as he's the only commentator who's willing to step into the ring. You know, very different than Brent Musburger. He would never go step on the football field. No way. Or Vin Scully. Yeah, Vince Scully, you know, actually stepping to the plate. It's, you know, it's a nice little angle he's got going. A little. Yeah, so Vince says, you know, great, because I don't have to listen to you, your lopsided commentary. But uh, Jesse's not going to let him do this all by himself. No, he wants to make sure that uh, this match is going to be covered fairly in his eyes. And who could that be? So he's going to have the brain step in and do this match before Jesse would come back in. And Bobby Heenan, remember, this is 86. So they're still figuring out what uh, they're going to do with with Bobby and uh, how he would eventually be paired up with Gorilla Monsoon and and form one of the greatest uh, announcing teams in the history of uh, professional wrestling. And we go over to Gene, and he's got Rowdy Roddy Piper, along with uh, Cowboy Bob Orton. Now, look at that cast. Remember, that, I mean, does that look like a cast to you? I mean, I think that they could have, couldn't they done, like, maybe a real-looking cast with a zipper or something? I don't know. It just never looked that menacing to me. And Roddy, uh, you know, uh, deriding the hillbillies, how low-life people they are and would eat pig's feet and Horton Horton just stands there he's uh, he's there yeah is he gonna say something nope 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 he's just there and Jesse comes in as we prepare to get into this matchup And this is a revenge match for uh, you know to get for Jesse to get even with the hillbillies. I'm not quite sure what's going on with that cape thing that he's got going. Just part of the wardrobe, I guess. Roddy heads out, uh, you know, making pig noises as they head to the ring uh, with the bagpipes playing. Yeah, that uh, and they they refer back to the uh, the marriage with Uncle Elmer as uh, you know that uh, Roddy was outraged over it and just thought it was a, a complete farce. And Jesse says uh, they look like two carp going at it in the Mississippi. There's cousin Luke on the left, Uncle Elmer in the middle there. He was a big guy, I'll tell you. you no, know, Jim was. He's a good-sized uh, individual, but Uncle Elmer really may have been a legit 6'10". No no doubt about that. And Hillbilly Jim saying, you know, we got to defend the family's honor in this encounter. As uh, Here we go. So the Hillbillies on the way to the ring. They come out to the uh, the banjo music. To a big reception here in Tampa. 
Well, you've got uh, Jesse right there already. Still pretty ripped. And the big cowbell that uh, Uncle Elmer would carry around. That's some outfit, though. Those, uh, that's an early version of uh, overall jorts, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but they were, they were uh, over, you know, for that uh, brief period of time. Jesse. Yeah, here we go. We're going to get this one underway. And it looks like Uncle Elmer is the one who's going to start this one out against Jesse. And let's see if they're going to do a little collar and elbow here. Nope. Jesse rakes the eyes instead and starts to pound away on the big giant. Shot to the throat as he backs him into the corner. Elmer breaks it, though. Big shot right between the eyes and the forehead of Jesse. And boy, he's selling, isn't he? Lifts him straight up and sends him flying to the canvas. As Bobby points out, that was an illegal choke. Hard into the boot of Hillbilly Jim. There's the tag. In comes Hillbilly right over the top rope. And Ventura in trouble. Big side headlock now as Jim works on Jesse. Roddy looking for the tag there. But Hillbilly Jim into the ropes. Oh, and Jesse drives a knee right into the midsection. In comes Roddy Piper to inflict more damage. Couple of rights. And Jim's going to get out of there. His cousin Luke comes in. And Roddy wants to start this out fair. Hey, what do you say? We just we'll shake hands and go from there. Come on, let's let's uh, let's keep it all on the up and up. Cousin Luke uh, doesn't have the the shoes, left the boots and back. Double axe handle, but not enough to. All it does is unleash the rage of Roddy Piper, and he's in a real dangerous territory. Double clothesline, down goes Cousin Luke, and boy, he's. Uh, not faring well in the six-man tag team. Bob Orton with that uh, cast that he... So, boy, that farm took uh, forever to heal, didn't it? As uh, Vince points out, yeah, I think the slowest injury, uh, healing injury I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. Big knee. Took Roddy right off his feet. Had so much velocity behind it. Ooh, and spits at Jim. That's uh, interesting. There's the ear clap. And a very, very dangerous place in the ring for him when he's got three menacing individuals over there. But he's fighting back. Headbutts Orton. And Orton grabs a leg. Jesse. I'm not sure what that was supposed to accomplish, but he did it anyway. Jesse making use of the boots. There's a tag. In comes Roddy once again. Jesse's supposed to get out of the ring. Gets a count, but they're just trying to intimidate Cousin Luke. A couple of slaps, poke to the eyes. Orton, big elbow to the top of the head. 
Orton was another one who would, uh, you know, bounce around a lot. He was in, God, just about every organization there was. Uh, this was a, a period of time when he was with the WWF for a stint. And Hillbilly, you know, uh, pretty much back to 100% at this point uh, after that knee injury. But as I said before, you know, it, it, he could never again match that momentum that he had uh, with the WWF after he hurt that knee. At that span of time there, he was out and everything. they tried everything. But it, it seems like it would have been a lot different for Jim, if he had not had that injury, because he had a great push, he had uh, he was working with Hulk Hogan. They had these matches all lined up for him, and uh, oh, big bear, big bear hug by Uncle Elmer. And he 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 would find some success, very good, you know, a lot of popularity would become, you know, still to this day a popular individual with the fans of the WWF. But it's uh, kind of a shame that we never really got to see. Uh, how far he could have gone from that first run with the Hulkster and uh, where he, you know, may have uh, may have gone there, maybe have been a title holder or something, but just never, never, ever happened. It just didn't. It's a shame. I mean, maybe it would have never happened. Who knows? But we got a break here. We come back and uh, not quite sure what they did for that uh, entire time in the commercial, but all three, you know, uh, Jesse and Orton, You know, it all came flying into the ring. Jesse, Roddy, things get out of control. Big headbutt by uh, Roddy. A lot of uh, handles to grab there on that head of Hillbilly Jim with a beard, uh, the long hair, and ooh, Hillbilly Jim with a headbutt of his own. Got the wrist as he tries to get the just just out of reach. Just can't quite get there for that tag. <laughs> just inches away. That's Roddy. Slaps Jim. Does it again. Again. Jim hangs on. And Roddy Piper, you know, enjoying uh, his great reign here in the World Wrestling Federation. So I said this is about... Uh, what, nine months after WrestleMania, and uh, things are going well for the World Wrestling Federation. Everything is Hulkamania, but uh, you've got other emerging stars, and Roddy Piper was certainly one of them. you got people making transitions. Jesse would become a big, big star uh, from the announce table. Luke comes in, big giant double axe handles, and clears the ring. Taking control. Try to set up for a, a body slam, but instead, you got Roddy holding on, trying to get that sleeper hole locked in, but uh, gets out of control as everybody is back in. And Elmer punishing Jesse with all 420 pounds in the corner. You didn't see it, but uh, Luke. Just got smacked in the back of the head with that cast by Cowboy Bob Orton. 
And they're saying it's a sleeper, but uh, uh, yeah, there was some uh, nefarious activity on the part of the cowboy. But nonetheless, Howard Finkel will make it official. That was a pretty long match for a Saturday night's main event. As they uh, they scoot in a hurry. Not that they're going to overturn the decision. But everybody saw what went wrong. And Bobby Heenan saying, you know, I hope I did my job. <laughs> and Jesse, never, uh, never, uh, not willing to... Uh, Put himself over, does it, and says, I, I did a great job in the ring. <laughs> Jesse's saying that, uh, you know, Bobby was so good. Uh, McMahon, you might be out of a job. And we're going to go back to the water park. This, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we got a big slide here. And uh, why not? So why wouldn't we have a couple of uh, of superstars uh, going at it here? So um, interesting what uh, what's going on with this as we've got Mean Gene Okerlund along with JYD and Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart. It doesn't really make a lot of sense for what they have going on here. But what are you going to do? That's what they are doing that Jimmy Hart, uh, after being branded, <laughs> that he's mad at Junkyard Dog for some reason. So JYD says, yeah, okay, we'll do it. But I, uh, the only thing that he had to do is that Jimmy Hart had to wear his uh, tidy whities or whatever they were, those red undies that he had on for this race. So JYD goes down uh, the way you're supposed to. You kind of lay down and then just wrap your arms around your chest. And uh, Jimmy was wearing uh, flip-flops or something and uh, put the brakes on in a hurry, so he was way behind in this. Now, you know, Terry Funk, this is all like convoluted. Well, why wasn't he going up against Terry Funk? Because he's the one who branded him. But I don't know. Uh, They had JYD in there. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what that was about. As uh, Terry Funk, the uh, number one contender for the WWF Championship, is going to put Sports Illustrated on notice because the Hulkster had been on the cover of Sports Illustrated, if you remember. And Funk, thinks that he should be on there. And if he's not, he's going to brand not only Hulk Hogan, but all Sports Illustrated. And I don't know what that means, what he would brand. Not quite sure. As we get a a quick flashback with Gorilla Monsoon. He's talking about this match that they had had previously, and Jimmy gets involved. This is when he was at ringside for Funk. And he gets the uh, the branding iron that uh, Jimmy had uh, tossed in there. And then he clobbers Hulkster with it. 
And uh, he's going to go for a cover here, but uh, the Hulkster. And this is when he would uh, he was wearing these different colored tights. So here you see that he's wearing white. Uh, before, basically, you know, that uh, canary yellow would become his uh, standard. As he brands the Hulkster, as Hebner calls uh, for the bell. But he couldn't, it was a championship match, but he couldn't win the title because it could only be a, a pinfall or a submission, and this was neither. So look at Hebner, boy. He took a fall there. Ouch, man. That, that, uh, that took its total as the uh, Hulkster. He's got kind of going on with that uh, that pirate uh, tie uh, uh, over just over the eye. That uh, was part of the little, you know, he, these styles would go in and out. And you got to admire the Hulkster is always changing up his look too. Uh, although he would always have, you know, the t-shirt that he'd rip and Hulkamania. Oh, JYD. And that was a great imitation of that, you know, with Junkyard Dog. So JYD's all over the place, you know. They uh, they're giving him a pretty good push here, teaming him up with the Hulkster on Saturday night's main event. And you know that uh, JYD was uh, really really popular in mid south. Uh, he was their their top uh, wrestler. I mean he he was just uh, you know very 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 popular with wrestling fans down there. Never would reach those heights with the uh, WWE. As uh, the Hulkster and uh, JYD head to the ring to face on Terry, to face Terry Funk with the Mouse of the South, Jimmy Hart at ringside. And uh, see this one, he's wearing uh, these aqua, this aqua, which was yeah, very different for him. But at that point in time, and Jimmy Hart, yeah, getting uh, roughed up by JYD, who talked big until it came down to it. <laughs> Hulkster in great shape here, man. In his prime, the Hulkster, the 24-inch pythons, as we take a brief time out there. And uh, this match is underway. Hulk Hogan facing Terry Funk. For the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Saturday night's main event in Tampa, Florida. That aired January 4th, 1986. Hard into the corner, man. The Hulkster. Destroys Funk as he takes a a hard exit out of the ring. Onto the cement floor. It looked like he may have... (laughs) He got a little ding on that cement, man. He knew how to make an exit, didn't he? But, uh, you know, you would see some really interesting pairings in these Saturday night's main events because, uh, you know, they wanted to show off all the superstars. Um, They wouldn't necessarily be uh, even house show matchups that they were pushing around. They just wanted to really show off the roster in these. And would put these big names against each other and just to mix it all up. Terry has to help himself there to get out of the ring over that top rope with the clothesline from Hulk Hogan. Shows what a pro he was in the ring. 
JYD patrolling ringside to make uh, sure that Jimmy Hart doesn't do something he shouldn't be doing. Now look at, you can see this arena. There was a lot of people there for this event. That side headlock. Oh. Stepping right over Funk as he just using him for a doormat, basically, and literally kicks him out of the ring. Boots him out of the ring. And this is when they had those tables, you know, right there at ringside. Look, and, and the, the steel barriers are just a few feet. And as he sends a, a chair into the ring and Hulk just sits on it and then tosses it out. But it's interesting, though, that that's where they went out over the table. <laughs> as we said, that would become very popular. As Funk now back in the ring. And Funk had a lot of uh, reemergence, uh, you know, would reemerge several times in the world of professional wrestling and coming back and having these runs. As I said, you know, you look at his resume, man, he was all over the place. Uh, but, you know, really had a resurgence when he got into uh, the extreme. I was with ECW and became very popular again, but then he would make these these spot appearances where he would come into the, the WWF and, you know, stay for a few months and then move on and come back and then come back another year later and just had this relationship with the WWF, WWE throughout his life. I speak like he's not around anymore. He's around, but I've just met uh, as far as his career is in the ring, as I should say. Now about 75 years old. And this was in 86, so. Oh, that was a rough shot between the legs of the Hulkster. And the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And he hadn't been with the WWF for very long at this point either. And uh, you know he was uh, had come in very heralded. He had uh, been done very well and become a very popular manager in wrestling. So when Vince grabbed him, uh, he helped put over a lot of the superstars who weren't necessarily real good at uh, cutting promos. A big clothesline by the Hulkster. Drops the elbow. We're going to see the entire arsenal here coming up. Is it time to end this thing, Hulkster? Haven't dropped the leg yet. Jimmy Hart not pleased with what he's seeing. You know, even then, look, he's got the uh, the different jackets going. Jimmy Hart tries to trip up Hulk Hogan. And now he steps out of the ring because he's had enough of the menace. And Jimmy 
crawls under the ring and imagine they had a camera right there to capture it. Eh. Jesse, kind of quiet in this match. I haven't heard too, heard too much from him. And he's taking some tape that he had wrapped around his wrist. Now he's choking Hulk Hogan. Uh, as the referee continues to be distracted. One of Jimmy Hart's great gifts. The great distractor. Hebner can't see the tape. And uh, Jesse thinks this is brilliant. (laughs) Where'd Hebner go? He's distracted by the great distractor, of course. As uh, Funk got rid of the uh, the tape, JYD tried to alert Hebner, setting him up here for a pile driver. Oh man, didn't quite uh, get him up though. One, two, is this it? We got a new champion? No. One, two, no, as we say. Funk not happy and. Uh, just driving shots to the side of Hulk Hogan's head. And a big statement from Vince McMahon saying, it's the closest I've ever seen Hulk Hogan to giving up the championship. And I think Vince uh, was billing this as uh, the biggest test so far to the WWF champion Hulk Hogan. Oh, no. And the Hulkster, impervious to those shots. And those are big punches. You know, Funk was great with his punches. Hulk Hogan delivering his own now as he takes control of the match again. Into the ropes. So good with those elbows, right, huh? Power. Sends Funk into the the ropes. Kicks him out once again. That big boot to the face. Funk uh, Jimmy Hart he gets his foot up uh, Hulk Hogan gets his foot on the rope but you saw Jimmy Hart there snuck in the branding iron and hit Hulk Hogan <laughs> it's always somebody else's fault right Jesse as uh, the junkyard dog lays out Jimmy Hart there's a clothesline hooks a leg and there it is, count of three. As the uh, Hulkster prevails and retains the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And no music. You don't hear it. And Funk, not happy with Hebner's decision, sends him hard into that steel barrier. And remember, he'd already... Taking a beating, who's not uh, real happy. Now uh, Funk just throwing chairs into the ring. As Howard makes it official, despite the protests by Terry Funk. Jimmy, uh, just uh, completely out of it, as you're going to see. 
But he's not going to get much consolation, much uh, empathy from Terry Funk as they take a quick break. (laughs) As we open this up with Jimmy Hart just being dragged out of the arena, (laughs) literally just pulled out of there. As we see this great replay, Jimmy Hart with that branding iron and in comes JYD. And the big headbutt, and down goes Jimmy, down and out. (laughs) As they uh, wrap this thing up with a replay, and the Hulkster, and the uh, Aquatites. As uh, Gene gets the exclusive here with the Hulkster in the ring. Hulkster's calling him out again. Says, come on out. We ain't done. We got more business. Yeah, Chimp, uh, JYD, lauded for his actions at ringside. Taking care of Jimmy Hart. As you see, a shot. As he's uh, not quite out of the ring, uh, out of the arena, but uh, he's (laughs) definitely in trouble as we get little flashback shot of George Animal Steel. Remember this? is They're very famous. There we go. Breakthrough. Short-lived. Didn't work. <laughs> What's that, like a Jack LaLanne <laughs> jumpsuit he's wearing? <laughs> and then, of course, when uh, Gene was at the uh, the jungle park with the animal... And at this point now, he's got this fascination with, uh, <laughs> with Miss Elizabeth. And there we go. We get to see Gene's uh, tuxedo swimsuit completely. And George taking advantage of the water here and the chance to splash both Albano and Gene Okerlund. Well, Albano uh, been... Uh, you know, it's from up uh, upstate, up up in the uh, northern portion of the United States. Hadn't seen the sun for a while. Obviously, you can see with those legs. And now we go to that little segment with Jesse. He goes to talk to Randy Savage about his upcoming match with George the Animal Steel. And then you keep looking at Elizabeth. Obviously, she's very anxious. She doesn't, not comfortable where she is right now. Said my my main purpose is to teach this woman how to swim. Yeah. He just throws her into the water. And you know, it's I don't know, it, it, it was a different time, but even then, I mean it just I, I just didn't understand the the angle behind that, the uh, the purpose behind it. But uh You'll see out here now as uh, he gets, he's going to get distracted. And uh, we, as we, we've uh, said before, George Animal Steel has this fascination with Elizabeth and he takes this opportunity to be able to go over and get close to her. As Randy uh, starts talking to the folks in the crowd. And so he, George Animal Steel comes over and he's like, 
petting her and then puts his head on her. It's like <laughs> the, 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 the ultimate and creepy. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, and it's like, uh, Randy, uh, could you come over? And, and uh, Jesse's like, why is she staying there? What is she doing? And Lou Albano, you know, says, uh, you know, I better take control of the situation. He might get arrested <laughs> for assault. And of course, Randy's wondering, you know, what are you doing? Why, why are you letting him do that? What, what the hell? Now watch, watch. He's going to do like he's going to, like he's going to hit her or something. Watch, like, like he's going to raise his hand. Like, watch what, he, like, what is he? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. That just seems like a woman who is just frightened out of her mind of this person that she has to be around. And Randy then, uh, you know, showing off the wardrobe, the big capes and the and the headbands. So he starts to disrobe, uh, takes off the cape. As Jesse said, that's right. That's right, Randy. Put her in her place. Like grabs her chin, you know. And, uh. Yeah. And Randy Savage uh, ready for this uh, very interesting matchup with George the Animal Steel, Man of Hair, the Human Sweater. He's just crazy. That animal. He's just crazy. Randy jumps right over the top rope there. Ready? Ready to go at it? And Randy, not, you know, not knowing what to think at this point, that was, uh, you know, the, the animal's bit. As he tries to get this uh, matchup started, now they lock up. Seal drives him over to the Ropes there and then sends him right onto that hard floor. So, of course, before they really, they started putting the, the blue match down and then George distracted by Elizabeth can't help himself. Enraging Randy, of course. Anybody be worried about somebody getting close to somebody you liked. The animal just wandering around outside of the ring, Albano. Trying to get him back in there before he gets counted out. And now you saw right there, that was Malenko. Did you see uh, Dean Malenko there? He's about uh, apparently like 25 years old then. Randy trying to uh, inflict a a barrage on the animal, but he uh, fires back. And Randy puts Elizabeth between himself and the animal. And George is fine with that. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's the kind of the beauty and the beast. Body slam by uh, George Steele there as he goes to rip open the turnbuckle, another one of his trademarks. There goes the popcorn. Gets a face full of stuffing. And George continues to make a mess in the ring. Just can't help himself. It's going to work to his uh, detriment as Randy comes off the top turnbuckle, double axe handle to the head, and he uh, gets the three count over George Animal Steel. And Randy's uh, had enough. He's going to grabs Elizabeth and heads for the backstage area. Kind of just that was just a weird match, but most of uh, the animals' matches were. And why he carries Elizabeth back? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Because uh, he's upset with her. I, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it says. I think I just heard him say something. <laughs> it was over. Look, he always was. All right, now we're going to go to an, uh, a review of 1985. And uh, Gene's got out the Walkman, which was, uh, you know, great, 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 great uh, technology back then. <laughs> you would have, uh, that was a cassette version, I believe, of the Walkman. All right, we're going to see highlights from 1985. And this is, uh, you know, kind of the Eye of the Tiger music. And uh, not a whole lot to this thing, you know, I mean, like cuts and music. That's pretty much what they're doing here. This was early stuff. Saturday night's main event uh, presents WWF 85. Paul Orndorff, Andre the Giant, uh, King Kong Bundy with Bobby Heenan there. The Sheik. And the Macho Man. Yeah, Barati and Mr. T. You never liked him. There's Pat Patterson, folks. Is a quick shot uh, making one of his cameos. And I'm sure you can remember a lot of these matchups. Uh, Mr. T, when he was teamed up with the Hulkster. King Kong Bundy in his heyday. And uh, Andre throwing money out into the crowd and Bobby going crazy. No, 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 no. Here's the two carp, as uh, Jesse would say. Miss Elizabeth, so very popular. People, God, they loved Elizabeth. Mr. Fuji. Here are the hillbillies. And Roddy. They try and uh, Bobby with the remember when he was doing the uh, chocolate uh, <laughs> bobbing for apples it had to be chocolate moolah well it was a lot that one ha- that happened uh, in Saturday night's main event in just four shows 
because this was the fifth one that actually was taped in 1985, but uh, didn't make air till January 4th of the next year, 86. Wow. A lot of people from the past, man, that are no longer with us. Sometimes it's hard to watch, man, because, uh, boy, what a what a time it was, huh? And Orndorff, man, he was just in tremendous shape then, too. Oh, that was a great, great match. Nikolai Volkov, the encounters with Hulk Hogan, that whole run. JYD and his mom. Liberace. A young Brutus. Yeah, some great, uh, you know, uh, great highlights there from 1985, though. As a uh, kid, a shot here. That's kind of uh, interesting that they have, uh, you know, Jesse and Vince at ringside. You can see from the commentary table. Nikolai Volkov with my favorite right there. Freddie Blassie. And they're going to be, uh, they're getting set up here for this peace match that I uh, talked about before we started watching. It's going to have these, uh, you know, it's like a gentleman's match. You can't punch, kick, or do anything illegal. That includes uh, choking. Gene Mean, as he would always refer to Gene. He shows up. Freddie. Says uh, we're going to find out that uh, America is just a paper tiger. Getting the uh, uh, Jesse, he's great. As we, uh, they, you know, that little push here they had for Corpor- uh, Corporal Kirchner. Look at him, how young he was there. And he, you know, they build him as this uh, kind of a, a super ops guy. As he's uh, skydiving. Uh, Jesse re- uh, reiterating, this is a peace match. You got to do it clean. You got to. It said it's going to be a professional wrestling match. No, uh, no cheating. Oh, yeah, as we continue to use the, uh, you know, the theme of uh, wrestling, uh, I mean, being in fun in the sun, and that is the proper way for someone on a zip line to enter a pool, in case you ever wondered. And we continue with the uh, 
anthem singing by Nikolai Volkov that uh, was always awful. Yep, he just keeps going, doesn't he? And I love Freddie. Freddie, like, mouthing the words. He doesn't have a clue. And he's just... (laughs) As Corporal Kirshner comes out with some legit soldiers. And... uh, It's too bad that uh, the Corporal didn't really get... uh, didn't really take off. Uh, I think that it was, he just, uh, you know, wasn't really tremendous cutting promos at that time. And uh, because they, you know, they, all that stuff with the patriotism and all that, that uh, whenever they pushed that stuff with the WWF, it went over big time, especially with Sergeant Slaughter, of course, and the Sheik, the Iron Sheik, even Volkov, and the, and the Bolsheviks and that, you know, everything that they did that had that patriotic flair went over really well. And they certainly... Could have used more from the American, you know, the American patriotism side. But they remember they, you know, shot a bunch of these vignettes of showing him training and all that. And that just never really got over for some reason. Locks up in this peace match. Kind of legit wrestling going on here. Goes with the arm bar. There's a little hip toss there. Brings uh, Nikolai, but Nikolai rolls him over. Tries to get uh, a count as uh, Kirshner holds on to that side headlock. Corporal Kirshner, really uh, an interesting individual. And, uh, you know, found some success in uh, professional wrestling. Makes appearances here and there. And remember, this is, uh, there's Dean Malenko again uh, as the referee. So I said before that, uh, you know, before his career, wrestling career got going, he uh, was a referee. He did a lot of appearances for the WWF. For going on and uh, actually becoming a wrestler for in the the World Wrestling Federation, among other organizations during his career. And a lot of had not ha- hadn't happened uh, did not happen, I should say, to this point in this matchup. I mean, just kind of like not not the greatest. At this point, I think you might agree with me on that. Rolling up. Nikolai Volkov, but he's wiggles out of that one. Well, it's close. And this thing isn't going to last very long as they kind of bumble along in the ring. So I guess in some ways we're seeing why uh, Corporal Kirshner's career wasn't uh, extensive. As I can just imagine what those two are talking about. 
Kirchner with that uh, another side headlock and wrist lock comes around. Gets kicked into the ropes and wow, there's a little athleticism by Nikolai. <laughs> Cartwheel into the ropes. Uh, yeah, is that what that was, Vince? A nice takedown? Oi. And they, uh, again, remember, this is what they call a peace match. So, (laughs) peace of what? I'm not quite sure. Rolls him up into the uh, small package here, but Nikolai breaks it at two. And, uh, yeah, oh boy. Hard knee to the midsection. Nikolai drops him right on his throat on the top rope. Drives the knee right into the chest. Goes in for the cover. As Nikolai gets the count. That was fair and square. As uh, the Sheik makes it official by uh, doing the spits on him. And now Kirshner even uh, had lost this match, and boy, he's just wreaking havoc on the three heels. Big body slam, shots of the midsection. Double head knacker there. And uh, they know this guy's out of control, so they clear the ring. Good thing Freddie stayed clear of that. Tweet. Kirshner, obviously, just very upset over that piece of match. Little <laughs> as uh, Vince is going to take us out of this one. And they go to a flashback here, and this is uh, where Morocco they uh, they basically hang. Ricky Steamboat over the top rope there. Take a timeout. When they come back now, we've got, uh, we've seen this. We saw this on uh, Tuesday Night Titans that Morocco really knew how to surf. Uh, He was the real deal. And uh, they wanted to show it off again here somewhat as (laughs) they show him at the water park with a surfboard. And Mr. Fuji making that transition. So he's still stepping into the ring, and he's going to uh, team up here with Don Morocco as they face Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the Junkyard Dog. And JYD had a lot of uh, airtime in this match. I mean, in this, this, uh, this episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. Fuji talks about how in his country they roast dog. So that's what's going to happen in this matchup. 
So, uh, as you can imagine, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat fired up for some revenge after they literally they hung him the last time that they had uh, met up with that duo. And so he's going to have uh, JYD in his uh, his corner. And man, Morocco is big at this point. And Gene now is, uh, you know, he did it all then. So he just uh, lined them up one after another. JYD's got the chain. Ricky Steamboat. Looking for some serious revenge. They've been all over the place in this show. JYD. Well, you got to do it the right way as uh, far as JYD is concerned. Let's get back to you, Vince. As uh, Morocco and uh, Fuji, Mr. Fuji, await their opponents. And they're using JYD's music. Thump. And uh, this is a, you know, a matchup where uh, like I said, they, they love to team people up that were kind of unusual that you wouldn't uh, normally expect to see. Like they weren't normal tag teams. You saw, you noticed that in this whole show, we didn't see a legit tag team, but uh, we had, you know, I, I think three tag team matchups in this. So uh, the six man tag and, uh, and then we got this one going here. But it was just a way where they could get a lot of people in, uh, you know, show off the superstars. And give people a different look, you know, have a little something different that you wouldn't uh, get to see uh, very often. You wouldn't see it on superstars. You might see a kind of an unusual dark match that uh, Mr. Fuji comes over and slams Ricky Steamboat onto that hard cement floor. JYD, big body drop there. Wow. Oh, misses with that headbutt. One of his uh, dangerous signature moves. On the way out, gets a big boot to the side of the head of JYD. As Mr. Fuji comes in, using those martial arts, those lethal martial arts moves. Uh, Mr. Fuji, you know, he'd uh, worked for a long time. This is the point where, uh, as I've said, he was making that transition to becoming a full-time manager. And, of course, he would still be uh, readily available for a bump here and there, but he was uh, making that uh, that move at this point from not doing, uh, you know, a ton of matches. 
And a big body slam by JYD goes in for a cover, but, uh, you know, that's not going to last. And Ricky Steamboat. Haven't seen much of him yet, but uh, we will soon here. Big right by JYD. Jesse always willing to point out when those baby faces cheat. Boy. Morocco steps out after making the tag and Mr. Fuji comes in. <clears throat> Brings him over in that dangerous area of the ring. Tags in Morocco again. Big Chop takes JYD right off his feet. And Steamboat still has not been the legal man in the ring yet. That was a big drop by JYD, but he uh, you know took a toll on him and Fuji cuts him off. Oh, big headbutt to the crotch, to the midsection. <laughs> and again, you know, uh, Mr. Fuji and Morocco inflicting a lot of damage on JYD and not letting him get to his corner. And Ricky Steamboat hoping for a tag here. They just keep up the uh, onslaught. As Richard Henry Blood, or rather the Dragon Steamboat, is uh, yes, and there it is. Now in comes Ricky, and he's had a long time to think about what he wanted to do to Morocco. Hard into the corner. Goes over and uh, inflicts uh, punishment on Mr. Fuji, then goes back and uh, works on Morocco. Kick to the back of the head. Oh, right into Mr. Fuji. And both men down. Remember, he uh, was enraged. They couldn't wait for his chance to get even with these two after they uh, hung him uh, outside of the ring. Uh, Mr. Fuji slips in. Otherwise, it looks like Steamboat would have gotten the cover there. Fuji comes in. He's the legal man. Steamboat. Quick flip. In comes JYD. He's had a little chance to recover. Again, uses that very dangerous headbutt. And it's Mr. Fuji who gets the... uh, Has to take the three count for this one. Steamboat not done with Morocco. Still wants a piece of him. As uh, the ref tries to hold him back. 
Mr. Fuji's had enough. Oh, it's not over yet. (laughs) Gotta love Jesse. Steamboat started it. Uh, As we're uh, getting ready to wrap this one up, uh, Ricky Steamboat and JYD victorious. Surprised they didn't let Ricky get the cover on that one, but hey. And Vince, of course, still putting over the franchise. Hulk Hogan, that was the biggest match he said of the night. But Jesse said, no, no, I'm, uh, it was my match. <laughs> Issues a, a, a challenge to any other commentator. Hmm. <laughs> they always did these, I get, maybe it was because of timing. They had to, you know, do so many breaks. But they would, uh, they do these double outs. These are the executive producers and uh, all these uh, Kerwin selfies. George Scott, you see that in there. But uh, yeah, they did like these double double outs, these double closes. And I guess they had to get one more commercial in. I think that that's why they did that because they really had they didn't add anything else to it. They just basically said good night, folks, and uh, happy new year. But uh, there you go. Another episode, the fifth episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. That aired on January 4th, 1986 on the NBC network in place of Saturday Night Live. And this would go on for uh, several years before they would end up taking a break and then bringing it back once again for a short stint. But uh, yeah, the uh, the network did really well with uh, this this program. And uh, the reason that they uh, would able, were able to do that is because uh, they had, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Saturday Night Live would take a hiatus. They would every, I don't know, f- uh, f- month or so, uh, more than that, um, two months, whatever, they would take a, a break. They would do not have a show, and they needed programming to replace it with. And uh, they might, uh, prior to that, I think they ran reruns uh, of one of the shows. Well, this was new programming and Dick Ebersol had the uh, the idea that uh, it could do very well with uh, with with the WWF, and because he had uh, watched it uh, explode on the scene uh, early on before WrestleMania, and and saw what was happening with the uh, the union between the WWF and MTV, uh, rock and wrestling, and uh, you know people like Cindy Lauper getting involved, and you know. Uh, uh, the other some other stars you know that were out there and uh and Dick Eversall thought you know what this is a good time to bring this back and get it back on network television and there's uh it's not something they'd have to do every single week that they could have these as big uh, big specials and uh they averaged about 5 a year so you would see these every couple of months that they would fill in and uh, i think it was it uh in 87, I think, when they had one of the highest-rated uh, episodes ever for that time slot. I don't know if it stands to this day, but it was like, uh, you know, a, a huge share. It was like 11.6 or something at the time. And if you know what ratings are, that's that's a big number. That's uh, they don't You don't see that very often these days because of 
cable and all the options that you have. But back then, man, that was uh, that was a huge number, and they would continue to draw pretty well. So it was profitable for everybody. But uh, you know, it all came down to if uh, eyeballs are watching, then they're going to put the programs on, and that's exactly what they did. And uh, we got to see. Uh, some of the biggest stars of the day in professional wrestling on network television uh, where you'd normally see Saturday Night Live. It was a big deal uh, as we saw some of the stars just in, in this one that were, uh, you know, big time. Uh, people like, of course, Hulk Hogan and uh, Don Morocco, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, Ricky Steamboat, who was uh, really at that point, you know, uh, really starting to, uh, you know, emerge and, uh, you know, just did tremendously well. I mean, he, he was over big time when he went to the World Wrestling Federation in 85 uh, from the, uh, <clears throat> you know, from the NWA. And uh, really just, uh, the, as they say, this is uh, the, the birth of the dragon. I mean, he, uh, uh, you know, came in and uh, just did fantastically well. I mean, he was over big time. I remember how much people loved Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. But these were, you know, the people that you would see uh, during that time. There was just uh, when the biggest names in wrestling. And, and they these were the ones, that, the guys that were making the WWF what it uh, would become. And, uh, you know, that's what we would see. JYD was, uh, when he came in, was a, a big draw. Uh, like It didn't really ever happen for him, which was really surprising to a lot of people. But then he had other... Demons that would eventually uh, uh, move into his life and, uh, you know, take over and uh, lead him to his demise. But uh, but he was really popular. We saw that he, how many different things he was involved in just in this show. So you know that Vince had, like, had big plans for him. And, uh, you know, Jesse really emerging as one of the top, uh, you know, commentary uh, people in, in the business. And, of course, Hulk Hogan and... Uh, you know, Terry Funk was in there. Mandy, Randy Savage, the Macho Man, was just uh, starting his uh, meteoric rise in the, the WWF. So it was just really a great time for uh, you know everybody who loved professional wrestling, especially people who loved the uh, the WWF. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that episode of Saturday Night's Main Event from January fourth, nineteen eighty six. Uh, we will of course uh, have other episodes. There's a lot of them out there, so. If you've got one in particular you'd love to have us uh, do a watch-along to, let me know. Love to hear from you. You know you can uh, get in touch with me by just emailing primetimemooney at gmail.com, primetimemooney at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, follow us on our social sites of uh, Instagram and Twitter, at primetimemooney. And uh, we'd love to have you join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash primetimemooney, to get uh, all of the content that uh, we put out every week early and ad free and uh like i said go to patreon.com slash primetime mooney to find out more there's other tiers there another another great perks and uh we'll do this again so uh, meantime thanks for listening everybody i'm sean mooney and i am out